nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast from Doug Ground Up Productions with hosts Lady Miz and Ray. This, 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 this is a universal platform and there is nothing off limits. We talk about it all and we keep it real. This is a no judgment zone. So come, so as, you come are. as you are. If you are a professional, entertainer, author, comedian, entrepreneur, or just someone who wants to get something off their chest, well, let your voice be heard here on From the Ground Up Productions. Sponsorship and other opportunities are available from the Ground Up Productions. Turning nothing into something. There's only one way to go from here. Here. And now, here are your hosts, Lady Miz and Ray. Yes, yes, y'all. What's good, y'all? It's your girl, Lady Miz. We back again, and I got my co-host. Double R. Y'all already know what it is, and you are tuned in to From the Ground Up Productions, and like I tell y'all every time you see me, there's only one way to go from here, y'all. Check it out, check it out, check it out. We got Somebody very special today, yo. We got somebody very special today because this guy kind of does it all, right? Yeah. I'm talking from producing to artists to writing to managing to you name it, clothing line. <laughs> Publicism. Oh, yes. I'm talking about this guy is in the streets doing his thing. And I want y'all to meet this brother because he is so awesome. So let's bring on the one and only Mr. Every Day. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Really appreciate you. Yes, yes. Listen, Mr. Everyday, listen, I want to first thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your patience through our technical difficulties. We really appreciate that. Um, I want to get into, you know, first letting the people know about you and where you're from. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell the people where you're from and what you do. Okay, I'm from, I'm from Harlem, New York, originally. Um, I grew up in Harlem. Uh, moved move to the BX, and then eventually I found myself in Albany, New York, which Albany actually, you know, the capital of New York State, all the decisions, the governor, everybody's out here, all the money's out here in Albany. So I'm, a, I'm up here uh, in Albany, New York right now. Um, currently, um, I produce the number one independent uh, hip-hop show out here called uh, Past Life Radio. It's on every Thursday, 8 to 10 on WCDB 90.9 FM. Nice. Um, in, two, in 2014, they voted my show the best produced radio show. Um, oh. among, among that, um, I'm, I'm really an artist as well. Um, you know, I've, I've had multiple uh, deals throughout the years, uh, independent projects, independent deals. I've done a lot of, a lot of work with a lot of artists. Um, I also produce, um, you know, aside from being an honor personality, I'm, I'm a creative writer. Um, I, I manage artists. Um, I'm an A&R. Oh, um, wow, you do it all. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out and to you. <laughs> okay. And I got my, uh, my cloak. This is my clothing line here. You see it, home-baked clothing. Absolutely. You know, I, um, you know I'm, I'm actually heavy in, into the uh, fashion industry as well. I spent a number of years uh, working, doing, you know, working as a marketing director for, for a clothing line with Maceo De La Soul. And um, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's what I do. I, I, I pretty much consider myself like a little baby mobile in the game. 
Yeah, yeah, you taking all the jobs. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> you doing it all, but I like that. You got to get in where you fit in. You know? That's a fact. That's a fact. So I like that because it, it looks to me like you have already built and created a brand for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, um, you know, it's funny because the uh, Mr. Everyday um, originally was um, was given to me by my daughter, um, Imani, my, my beautiful, lovely daughter. She, um, nice. Yeah, she just graduated with a degree in marketing and business from my alma mater, the College of St. Rose. And um, so I'm so proud of her right now. But um, but yeah, but her godfather, my boy Godfather D, he pretty much gave me that nickname, Mr. Everyday, because he used to call me, he used to be like, I carry myself like a Don. He said, I'm gonna start calling you the everyday Don. And so <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, you know what? I'm gonna just call you everyday for sure. So it kind of like it started off as a joke, but then it really stuck, like where people started calling me that. And then, um, and then my work, my work ethic and my, and my, you know, my drive kind of matched that because I'm always on, on, on it every single day, 24 hours, I'm, I'm ready to go seven days a week. So I, I lived up to the moniker and then, um, you know, I spent a number of years with Bad Boy Entertainment and I was managing on Black Rob and, um, and he pretty much kind of made it famous more or less. You know what I mean? Like once I started really rolling with him, uh-huh. I went going to different coasts. And um and just being everywhere and then just doing a lot of different things. It just the name just held up. It just it just fit me. And so they started, you know, they they, they always call me every day, but I, I added Mr. to it because mm-hmm. it got I got to a point where people thought that they didn't know that when I was introducing myself that I was saying my name. So they'd be like, yo, my name's, you know, my name is Joe Black. And I'd be like, yo, every day, what's good? So they just thought that I was they just think like, you saying like, yo, every day, son, that's what I, that's what I do too. You know what I mean? When I started doing radio, mm-hmm. um, I, was, I actually was, um, well, actually it was after I started doing radio because I wasn't carrying that name. I had a different nickname at that time when I first started in radio. But it was like, I think the second uh, radio promotions gig that I got, I remember the, the promotions director was like, yo, we got to come up with something in front of, in front of your name, like the everyday or something. We got to figure it out. Right, so one day right. I was working with this um this all this all female collective um called her, her Temple Model. They're real big out here in the in the Cap region. And I'll uh, shout to Brooklyn Shay. And she was doing like I was doing all the promo stuff with the radio station coincide with their event. Okay. So she gets up she gets up on the stage and she goes and let's give a shout out to Mr. Everyday. <laughs> and I'm in the next snapping. I mean, everything, like she was giving me wild love. And I was like, you know what, bro? I was like, you're right. I missed that every day. That's a yeah. fact. That's so, a fact. <laughs> so I adopted, I adopted the mister. And then, you know, that, then it just started on into place. I started just developing that brand, like you said, and it just started taking off, you know? Okay, so let me ask you, what inspired you to even want to take the route that you've taken with everything that you do, from the clothing to the music to the producing to all of that? What ins- what inspired you and who inspired you? Well, to be honest with you, like, you know, some people know, but not everybody knows. So because it's not something that I wear like on my sleeve. But okay. I, um but my biological father and my godfather were the first artists ever signed to Arista Records. Oh, okay. So, you know, the mogul Clive Davis, you know, he's big, but huge. I mean, not so much now because he's at the really the tail. And I'm not like, is Clive still alive? All right. Clive Davis? 
far as I know, I didn't hear anything. Okay, okay. Right. I gotta make sure because I hadn't heard anything from him in a while. He's been quiet. But so you we know, like, like, please forgive us. We ain't killing like, you off, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just been. <laughs> we, we don't want you to go We don't want too many titans. You're good. Stay around. Stay around. But, um, yeah. But but really, uh, Clive, um, you know, he signed my father, um, Gil Scott Herman, who's my godfather. And um, okay. And, and um, he, you know, and, and Gil, you know, just to give a little bit of backstory, uh. Gil's considered to be the godfather of rap and neo soul. They, they consider him to be the first artist to ever lay the groundwork for what would eventually become hip hop, rap, and neo soul. Because nice. uh, That's nice. he was a spoken word, uh, jazz, pianist, singer. He was an activist. So all the ideals of early hip hop, he embodied, you know what I mean? As far as his activism, and um, and then the neo soul aspect came into the fact because he actually was a singer and a and a poet too, so, and and he used to be an orator. So he would like he was like stand he would do like he would fuse stand up comedy, poetry, singing all into his set. Wow, nice. he, he was a pianist, and then he had a whole accompaniment of a band, which my father was a, was a master drummer. God rest his soul. Both of them have, are, have since deceased. But um, but he was a master drummer, my, my biological father. So, you know, Gil had all this sound and he he pretty much could do everything. So their shows were amazing. And they called them the Midnight Band because they always performed at midnight. So they adopted oh. the Midnight Band. Became Gil Scott Heron and the Midnight Band. So my father was like the leader of the Midnight Band. And, and Gil nice. was the head. So they, yeah, so they, so pretty much like when you talk about inspiration, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up in this like, from the age of three, I was on my first tour with Stevie Wonder. I was just about to ask that. Yes. And um, so I, I, I pretty much, I was flying out to Cali before I even knew I was flying anywhere. I was wow. out, you know, and I, and I was up late at night and my father used to always have me like with a little, a little beautiful lady watching me. Like I used to be sad. I used to be sipping on my little bottle or whatever, my little drink. <laughs> You knew that was beautiful lady. You was checking out the ladies that at that early. Just chilling. So he always just had me in good, good hands. So I really got to come up learning a lot from just watching them perform, watching them rehearse. Like even in my home, there used to be a lot of, of, of rehearsals. And then also um, another thing that people don't really know is that my father was good friends with Matulu Shakur, which is Tupac's stepfather. Oh, so, okay. So, so Tupac and his family used to come over to our house in Harlem when we were younger. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so, I, you know, it just got to a point where I just had so much greatness around me. It was like, yeah, this is definitely what I'm going to be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I just kind of was like just steered in that direction. And I just kind of evolved. And I think my evolution really was more about because hip hop was such a, a new art form. At, like even after like because I didn't I didn't really get into rap until I was like 19 years old. And, oh really? Um, or, or, so who were you listening to? That. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase okay. that. Not that I didn't get into rap until I was 19. Professionally oh, into rap. Here we go. Oh. I was always writing, singing, break dancing. You know, I was always really like passionate about doing every aspect. But when I started like getting to the point where it was like my first contract, that was at 19 when I got okay. my first contract. Now, um, you said you've been around it since, you know, going on to these places since you was three years old, right? Yes. When did you decide that this, was, this is something that you wanted to do for yourself? Um, well, well, I had also a lot of other passions. Like I was very like 
sports was my thing. Like I played multiple sports. Like I played soccer, I played football, I, I ran track, I played mm -hmm. basketball. Oh, um, I was, yeah, I, I actually wound up um, going to play D1 football when I was younger and I, I walked away from that. But, um, but so I kind of was really like more into sports than anything. So the music was really around me, but I wasn't like, I need to make this a career or I need to, it was just kind of like more or less, music was more as a hobby when I was younger. I think it was about at probably around, I want to say uh, high school, junior, junior high school, when I, when I started forming like my first rap collective and breakdance crew, like I had a breakdance crew, actually, yeah, junior high was when, we, when, I, when I had my first breakdance crew. And then it evolved into us like doing like live shows where we would rap, break, we would kind of incorporate every aspect of everything. And I, I want to say probably at like 16 was when I was like, yeah, I'm kind of dope. Like, I, you know, this is, I could do this. That's when he realized he was the shit all right. I was freestyling, like I would battle anybody, anywhere. And we had routines because we grew up watching a lot of old school cats. And yeah. the, thing about right. the difference between the old school performers versus today's performers is they, old school guys really gave real performances. Like they didn't mm. even, Got the bomb on them, baby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they would have the crowd going crazy, call and response. Like, you know, it was like, it was, it was amazing. It was thrilling. It was exhilarating. So I, I was so amped up from watching all these earlier performers. Like it taught me, like, you don't step on the stage if you're not ready to slay this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference now. I think the, the performers now are very lazy. They just put their record on. They walk up and down the stage, you know. Like, nah, we have routines. We Absolutely. Had, like, we, we would be like, we have people like, oh, and crowd jumping and everything. <laughs> so, you know? so in your routine, you were doing the break dancing and everything. Absolutely. Yeah, we would. We would, start. we would start off break dancing, and then it would turn. Then it was turned into the rapping, and yeah. And then I had, I had like a beatbox. We didn't even have music. We had a beatbox, like a beatbox, wow. like, like the official. We call them box Kim. His name was Mark Kim, so we called him Box Kim. Mm -hmm. And back then, I was I was Tiski Terminator. My rhymes are much greater. I bite you up, spit you out, just like Darth Vader. That was like one of my hey. best. <laughs> I had like yeah, I used to I used to be routined out, and we used to do like back and forth with each other. And then I had two other members, um, Doctor I and and my boy L God, and yeah, we were called Jacob Street Posse. That was JSP. JSP. That was my first. Our first real crew, my little, my first little like breakdance hip hop crew. And we wore the, we wore the break suits. We had the Adidas sweatsuit. You had all that, the whole, <laughs> okay, okay, cold chilling. And my B-boy's there. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, I love your energy. You, I can see that you have a good spirit. I can tell that you're a really good person. Um, So I know that that comes through everything that you do. Tell me your relationship. Did you have a business relationship with Quincy Jones? Well, the Quincy Jones thing, it wasn't a direct relationship. Um, okay. I was, um, what it was is that I was signed to his vice president, which at okay. that time, he had, he had a label called Quest Records. All right. And so, so we signed, so we got, I, I was in a group called As You Are, shout out to my boy, Edge Sketch, um, DJ Sketch. Um, he, we, we had like, he, and he was, he was like, he was Hispanic. He was Cuban mm -hmm. and Irish mixed. So he, he kind of looked like a white boy, but you knew he was, but when you was around him, you saw the Latino thing. So sometimes okay. it was like, some people looked at it like this is a black, white type thing. So right. kind of gave us a little bit of an edge because that was back when a white boy rapping was still kind of a, a big rarity, you know what I mean? Right. But he was really more Latino than anything. So we had this very um, 
kind of obscure sound. And it wasn't really nobody really sounding like us. And we were conscious too. And I was back like when conscious was like really the thing, like tribe, gangstar, like yes. all those right. were yes. really popping. And so we were kind of like almost native tongue-ish, but with a little harder edge. Mm, and um, okay. You know, and um, and so we we kind of uh we we stuck we stood out and we were performers. So I forgot how we actually, I think it was just through a mutual friend that connected me to him. But he was he was the vice president for Quest Records. And so he signed us to him. And I think it was at a time where him and Quincy were going through a fallout because he wasn't really, I think they had, who they have on their label? They had um, Sapphire, who was in a movie, Menace to Society. He's the one that gets killed in the very beginning of Menace to Society. Um, he's, I, uh, I forgot, uh, Kane. You remember Kane? From oh, Menace yes, I remember Kane, yes. So Kane's, Kane's cousin gets murdered, they get carjacked. Yeah, I don't remember. They get carjacked. Vaguely. There's a scene in that movie where they get carjacked. Okay. And, um, and the guy who gets killed, which was Kane's cousin, that was Sapphire. He was signed there. And then I forgot the other kid's name. He, he had a song called, I wish I was a baller. I wish I was a little, little, yeah, yeah. little Yes, I remember that. So they were signed at that time. Those are the only two acts that they had at that time. And okay. so we were coming in as the, gonna be the third act. But I guess he was feeling like he wasn't getting enough PC off those two projects. So he took us to Warner Brothers. Mm. Now the problem with the Warner Brothers thing is they weren't really like, it was a corp, like, okay, yeah, it's a label, but they were very corporate minded. They didn't know like what was dope or what wasn't. So we got shelved and, mm. you know, it pretty much turned into nothing. And so it was kind of like, that was like one of my first real um, disappointments you know, when I, cause you couldn't have told me I wasn't about to pop off. I was like, right. I'm find a quest. I'm about to be, and then they were based in Cali. So I was like, yo, we going out to Cali. It's about, oh, we popping. And, um, and then, like I said, next thing I knew, he was like, it's not going down here. I'm taking y'all to Warner Brothers. So we still were optimistic, okay. but then hey, we pretty much got shelved. And then it was just like, damn, that was my first taste of like, oh, this, this don't, this ain't, this ain't good. This ain't good did, at all. Did that make you say, okay, did it strike anything in you to make you say, I need to go this route or this way? And do you feel like, um, cause sometimes I always feel like some things are meant to happen at a certain time. Do you right. feel like it should have happened then or it was meant for you to um, start doing what you got to do now? Well, there wound up being other situations after that. So Okay. But, to, but to really directly answer your question, it made me not trust the major situations. And it made me understand that I needed to take my um, I needed to take control of my career in a much more independent fashion. And um, and not really like just put my, you know, my, my faith in someone who still had to put their faith in somebody. Mm. So, from that point on, we really started grinding we started making the records and kind of, I don't want to say necessarily putting them out ourselves because even that was really like to even try to like put a record out. It's not like how it is now where you have streaming and you could just go through a digital service. Exactly. It was like, you had to press and manufacture records. That was a budget, you know, right. and it was a lot of money in that. And we were using real to reels and even those were expensive. Right. Those were like 150 a pop, $200, stuff like that. So it was always an expense. So what we did was we went out and got, independent financers and who, who started kind of backing us. And we had, and we kind of like, and cause my boy was from Brooklyn at that time I had, I had moved to the Bronx cause I had an uncle who was like, 
what like a really famous basketball player. And um, he, he was living in the Bronx. So I kind of just started staying with him in the Bronx. And um, and my boy lived in Brooklyn. So I started traveling to Brooklyn a lot. And so we kind of had, I had this connection between the Bronx and Brooklyn where we had a, like a whole, whole like neighborhoods and communities that really believed in us. And so we had a lot of people that were really just like co-signing our loan, so to speak. Nice. And, and really just like backing us and putting us in, putting us in the studios and, um, and just really just, you know, just like, yo, we believe in what you're doing and how you're doing it. And at that time also radio came into play because I got, I got involved in radio and that kind of helped me because I was able to play my own records. So what, was that the uh, 105.9 FM? Yeah, was that? Dirty Dozen. Yeah, I'm, I'm a part of the original um, Kevin Keith and the Dirty Dozen, okay. which was really like a historic landmark uh, radio show. Uh, we used to come on right before, I think it was um, Audio, Awesome 2 used to come on before us. And if you don't know Awesome 2, these are like a lot of old school legends. Awesome 2 broke Karis 1. And, you know, and so they, you know, we get our productions and a lot of like the, the old school, like the giants, like yes. the old juggernauts. Like, so we were like little young dudes coming up and we used to, we were coming on after, we were coming on after a, a landmark uh, show and then, and then right before another landmark show, Silver Surfer. So, you know, we, we, you know, were, we didn't know we were like in a way iconic, I'm air quoting, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, okay, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't know at that time because we were still so young, we didn't understand like just the position we were in made us iconic. Not even who we necessarily were, you know, but we lived up to it. And we started to like break Biggie, Wu-Tang, Most Def, Vitaly Kweli, Reflection Eternal, Common Sense. Like we had Common. I remember Common when he had his very first album. I was freestyling. I got an old square tape of me and Common freestyling. You know so you I mean? launched, how did you help yeah, launch their as career a, as far as Wu Tang and all by, by breaking their records, by being like the first artist, the first shows. Oh, got you. Like, so you, you know, they weren't you, on mainstream radio at that time. Oh, you broke their records, playing it on your radio stations then? Yes. On our, yeah. That's that is like We were the go to. We were like the go to for, for pretty much anybody in New York. Like, if you were in New York City, we were like, because there was no Hot 97. There was no Funk Pastor Flex on Hot 97. Right, you know right, I mean? right. There wasn't no 105.1 FM. You know what I mean? Hip-hop was still such a baby that, because even when Hot 97 started, Hot 97 was a, was a dance station in New York City. Mm -hmm. And they made a decision because they saw the trend that hip-hop was going to be the next thing, and they turned it into a 24-hour hip-hop station. But before that, that there wasn't really 24-hour hip-hop like that. Right, you know, right. College radio was breaking hip hop. Absolutely. And, you know, Bobito and Stretch Armstrong. Shout out to Bobito, my boy Bobito. Um, he was he's a part of a legendary uh breakdance crew called Rock Steady. Okay. And, um, so he they were like college was the only place you was really hearing rap. So we were really sort of like an independent station because our um like even our show, mm -hmm. we had to pay to have our show. It wasn't like we were getting paid. My producer uh -huh. paid, paid for that time slot. And now, a word from our sponsors. 
Number one draft pick, the hottest black-owned athletic sportswear. You no longer have to pay a fortune for quality and style because number one draft pick offers trendy athletic wear at an affordable price that provides compression and wicks perspiration off an athlete's skin and is designed to regulate body temperature and enhance performance. Go to their website at n1dp.com. That is n, the number one, dp.com. They have a diverse product assortment for men, women, and children. Number one draft pick, sportswear that changed the game. If you are looking for new or used items such as furniture, clothing, appliances, and so much more, then you want to check out JD Cargo Express Thrift Store on 39 North Main Street in Middletown, New York. They are open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. They also accept donations, which you can drop off at any time during business hours. Zoyola Passion has been helping others and taking care of those in her community. So let's return the favor by supporting this local business. If you have donations and you want to be a part of helping your community, or if you want to check out some nice, new, or lightly used items, such as name brand clothing and other things then head over to jd cargo express thrift shop on 39 north main street middletown new york that's jd cargo express thrift shop on 39 north street middletown new york the phone number there is 845-775-1765 and tell them you heard it here on from the ground up productions so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Being somebody, you know, that was able to break some of the hottest artists in, in, in hip hop uh, back then. When you look at radio now compared to how it was back then, what do you see that's different that you like or don't like? Um, well, to me, the problem that I have with radio um, now mm-hmm. is that it's too, it's too controlled. Mm-hmm. It's like it's very click and so it's like, if you're not in a, in a certain clique or, you know, or if you're not, you know, no disrespect to Drake, if you're not Drake or certain artists, you're, you, it's not, you can't just come like back then, you could find a DJ, give him a dope record and he would put it on the radio. Right. So, and yeah. if he was really feeling it, he would just play it to death. You know what I mean? And that's really how Wu-Tang got broke. You know, Wu-Tang didn't pay to be on radio. Well, I, I heard they busted in the door as a group and knocked it down and said, yo, you going to give us that record deal. They came deep. And I, and, I know, and I know all the people with that whole situation, like Loud. Like uh-huh. my, my, boy, my boy was an A&R for Steve Rifkin on Loud. You okay. know what I mean? And so, like, I remember when that all started. Like, I was right there up in Loud, chilling, hanging out when Mob Deep got their deal. Matter of fact, my lawyer was Mob Deep's manager for their first album because before they came out, I forgot what um what label they wound up dropping um the shook ones on. Uh, I can't remember the label, but originally they were on Epic? Four- no. No. Epic Records? Um, I feel like I, I seen it because I'm trying to visualize. Oh, that the was cover. Loud. No, no, that was loud. That was loud. They dropped oh, that was loud. Okay. Loud. Yeah, my fault. That was loud. Okay. So Mob Deep dropped their second and third and subsequent albums on loud. But their very first album was on a label called Fourth and Broadway. And um, and I think Fourth and Broadway was the label that uh, dropped EPM EPMD first, but okay. but but there, so when when that whole situation happened, you know, I was taking like watching them do it. Like, yeah, you gotta go, you gotta kick doors in. Like, you gotta you gotta have that independent that independent. Like, 
I won't be denied. I can't be stopped attitude. Absolutely. And we were fortunate to be at the crest of that and really at, you know, at the real beginning stages of being able to support these artists in a way that it won't happen like that now. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when I look back, look back at that time and I realize like, damn, like I've known most deaf since the beginning, since he was on Payday Records in a, in a group called UTD with his, oh, wow. with his half brother, because I was dating the receptionist at, at, um, at Payday Records. And, and now Payday is the label that managed Gangstar and put out J.Ru the Damager. So, oh, okay. so Payday, Payday was like, I mean, straight independent. I mean, like they coming out their pocket, pressing up. We can only afford to press up a thousand records, so we're pressing up a thousand records. Then once they sell out, we take that money, buy five thousand more records, then sell those. Like so, it was like we're talking about pure independent. So I was mm. very fortunate being around all these truly independent labels, learning and being able to watch it. That's a so I applied a lot of that. I applied a lot of the things that I learned into radio and into my approach to radio. Now that's good. That's what's up. That's what I'm talking about. Now, all of the stuff that, did, that you learned, did you manage artists? Well, I didn't start managing artists until, oh, much later. Like, into like once I started, once I got a little older, because, you know, managing, like, when you're an artist, it's very difficult. Like, if you're trying to push yourself, how much harder are you going to push someone else before you push yourself? And that, I think that's actually part of the problem with some major artists. I'm not going to name their names. But mm. why nobody ever blows up bigger than them? Because mm. they don't have a will for that. They don't have a will to make you big. If there's a like, if there's an interview to be had on Rolling Stone, are they gonna give it to you? Or are they gonna give it to themselves? Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> believe that's what I'm talking. About. <laughs> um, so you know, so when you think about being managed by a, a prominent artist, there's pros and cons to it. You know, it's really, and, and realistically, contractually, you need to put certain stipulations in your contract. That if they don't provide certain things for you by a certain time, you can get out the contract. Because I've, I've seen a lot of people jammed up in situations that they thought was going to be the world because they was rolling with this dude, and all you wind up doing is becoming his hype man. Mm. Hype man. Did you manage artists for Bad Boy and, P- and Puffy? Say that again. Did you manage any artists for uh, Puffy on 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 his yeah. label, Bad Boy Records? Yes, I did. Um, okay. I, I would, and that, and like, okay, so so let's. So let's fast forward a little bit from, okay. that, from the point I was talking about. So now I've kind of like been in the game as an artist myself. I had these situations not really come to fruition for me. So now I'm like, all right, I'm still technically an artist, but I saw opportunities. Like the whole Black Rob situation came about. Shout out to Mama Lil. Um, 135th and 8th Avenue, that was, that was my hangout spot. There's a barbershop over there. Um, the Figueroa's, those are my... They're brothers. They're a bunch of brothers. A lot of these are my dudes. So they kind of like are so cool that everybody just started gravitating to their shop. Now I knew the oldest brother, well not the oldest brother, but the older of the two brothers that ran the shop. Okay. Um, he was like my best. He was my best friend, and he was from he was from um from Jersey, from um damn I forgot what part of Jersey he was from. Um, not Teenic, but I forgot what part of Jersey. But he he came from Jersey to Harlem and started cutting hair at a barbershop right on the corner. 118th and 7th Avenue. I lived on 117th. The barbershop was on 118. Mm-hmm. So we got, we became super tight. And then eventually, um, I forgot what how we kind of like had got separate. I think he went, oh, he wound up doing some time. And when he came out, he came out, him and his brother wound up opening up the shop on 135th and 8th. 
So mm-hmm. they already had like a lot of connections. They was always well loved. And so his barbershop became the unofficial bad boy barbershop. Where oh, a lot okay. of people from bad boy would come. A lot of people just in, from the industry in general will pull up. And so because he was my best friend and I was always hanging out there, you know, I would meet a lot of people just indirectly just because of the relationship I had. Now, mm-hmm. at that time, I was the marketing director for a clothing line with Maceo of De La Soul called Intrigue, Urban Upscale. And we were like on uh, in the 72nd floor of the, uh, of the Empire State Building in Manhattan. We were out, we were balling. And um, nice. I think FUBU was right underneath us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we, we had relationships with FUBU because the guy who actually, uh, Maceo's partner, my boy MJ, shout out to MJ, he was, um, he actually wrote the business plan for FUBU. Oh, so, wow, okay. But he still wanted to do his own thing. So he had his own line. And it's crazy because I, I wind up, um, I wound up meeting him at my part-time job. I worked for Reebok Sports Club, which was like a real high-end sports club. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, you know, I met a lot of entertainers and big wigs there. But I met him, and when I wound up losing my job there, I kind of was like, yo, bro, like, you know, I know you told me to come see you if I ever need, you know, a, a plug-in. Well, I ain't working no more. So what he did was he hired me as a, um, an intern. And a week later, seven days later, he made me the marketing director. Wow. wow. Now, wow, that's now, that's what's up. That's you know, what's up. We're gonna fast forward to talk about what you're doing now. So what are you working okay. on right now? Okay, oh well, hold on, I, I I barely answered the question. Let me okay. let me, <laughs> let me just mention the black rob thing. So I met Black Rob at, at the um at the at the um at the barbershop, and I also met one of your uh Puffy's hitmen, my boy Yogi, at the barbershop. And okay. I eventually started working with, with Yogi, working with Rob. I was product placing, putting clothes on everybody. And through the relationship of putting clothes on him, I wound up evolving into becoming his publicist. And oh. then eventually he went, he got locked up and he asked me to become his manager once he got locked up. So then wow. I helped him get out of jail early. He was supposed to do like seven years initially. I got him out after one in one year. And you how'd know, you I, do that? Huh? How did you do that? How was you how was you able to manage doing that? Well, what well, because see, one thing about me, even though I might have been like like kind of in the streets, so to speak, mm-hmm. and you know, being being a street kid, but not not really, I was still smart enough to understand corporate and having certain types of relationships. So I had a great lawyer who wound up pulling some strings and got him um into a work release program because of his medical, he had a medical condition, he still has it. And um, so we so we were able to get him out of jail on a medical release into nice. a work release program where he was an engineer. Nice, <laughs> listen, shout out to you for being able to do that. That's like really, that's that's dope, that's dope. We wanted him on the side of the street picking up garbage, but I had him in, in the studio making hits. That's what I'm talking about, that's what I'm talking about. So, so but yeah, but yeah, Ray, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to answer Lady Lady Miz's question. What was your next question? No, um, we're gonna fast forward to what you're doing now. What are you working on? Um, so well, currently, um, I'm the CEO and founder of Past Life Entertainment Group. Mm-hmm. And um, that encompasses um music uh production, film production. Um, I currently own a studio called Prodigy Studios. That's also actually a separate business. I LLC'd it and um Prodigy Studios LLC. And we're getting ready actually to open up um, a 12,000 square foot multimedia complex, two floors, 25 rooms on each floor. We're going to be converting. Nice. Um, so it's going to have, so it's going to encompass all my businesses, which is um, home-baked clothing, the clothing line, 
and um, uh, Prodigy Studios will be a music and film production studio, and then Past Life Entertainment, which is more of a, a management consulting PR type of firm in film, because I do, I'm big with film. So Past Life is kind of like the management film division. Prodigy okay. Studios is more like recording, editing, you know, the lab. And then I also run a foundation called the Sevens Foundation, because I'm, I'm very philanthropic. So, you know, I'm always, so along with my partner, shout out to Defiant, Defiant Aura, my partner, we uh, we run a foundation as well as Prodigy Studios. She's the co-owner of that. And um, so I, I'm basically putting all my businesses under one roof. So it's going to basically be a one-stop shop. You'll be able to come in, record. You'll be able to come in, film. You'll be able to edit. You'll, there's there's going to be a dance studio. There's going to be a performance venue, a smaller performance venue inside there. You know, so I'll have all everything all under one house. So when you come to me, you'll pretty much be able to get everything done. And then on and the you first don't have floor, to outsource nothing. I won't have Crazy. to outsource a thing. Smart. And also, also going to have a podcast station. So if you already have a podcast and you just need the facility, then we're going to have it set up where cameras are already linked in. You could, you could go right to YouTube directly. Like you won't have to worry about any of the technical aspects because when you book the session, it'll come with an engineer as well. So that is nice. That is nice. I got to give you the claps on that for sure. For sure. That's beautiful. Listen, I love everything you got going on. I got to tell you that I, like I said before, I love your energy and I can see and hear and feel your passion. That's what's important. When you're doing, you could tell when somebody loves what they do because I can hear it in your voice and I can see it. So keep doing what you're doing. We wish you nothing but the best. Let us know how we can support you. Do you have any shout outs that you okay, want to well, give before, right now? Before we go, I do want to mention that I have a very powerful project coming out. It's an all-female collaboration. Ooh, HW, right. HWC hits with chicks. And, I'm a, and it's going to be a series of, of volume one, volume two, volume three, where each album is going to be me, every song featured with a, a different female artist on, on every song on every, on every album. Dope. So that's coming out. Um, I have a hip-hop alt-rock band called Mr. Everyday in the Past Life. We currently have an album out called Plug Me in Volume One. It's in over 88 countries right now. So on every platform, we're going to be doing a volume two for that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm just looking forward to really putting out more projects. I'm work, I have an independent film that I produce. That's going to be coming out. I have a reality show that I'm working on. I have multiple TV pilots that I'm producing. So, you know, I, I'm working out here. I see, I see. We, we see you moving. Keep doing, keep doing your thing. Yo. I, I want to I shout out on um, P. Gutter, my partner from um, Home Bay Clothing. Yeah. Um, I, I want to shout out um, Defiant Aura, my business partner. I want to shout out Gian Life. Look out for Gian Life. He's coming soon. This brother, he, he he's an Italian neo-soul singer with a Not black man heart. And this oh, music right. is powerful. Right now, Sony is clamoring over him right now. Shout out to um, Kia Shine. My boy Kia Shine, one of the Sony Sony ATV plugs over there. Actually, they just changed their name. Sony, I forgot what they changed their name to. But um, but shout out to Kia Shine. Like we're working on some really big things right now with my artist Gian Life. And when he drops, remember that name, Gian Life. Gian, okay. G-I-A-N space life. So oh, we got okay. we got something called the life movement. My company's called Past Life Entertainment. And uh -huh. we have something called the life movement. So the first okay. artist. Outside of me, the first artist coming out of the life movement will be Gian Life. Got you, got you. Um, tell, tell people how they can get in touch with you and find you through your social medias. Okay, well, I'm, I'm on, um, I'm on um, Facebook. You can find me as Mr. Everyday, Mr. Spell M-R space. And just like how you spell everyday, except it's two words. Every is the first name, 
and Days the Last. So it's E-V-E-R-Y space D-A-Y. Mr. Everyday on, on Facebook. Um, my main page is, my last name's Knowles. I'm part of the, the Beyonce Knowles clan. My last name's Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. So you can find me also every Knowles, E-V-E-R-Y Knowles. I'm on Instagram under Mr. Everyday, uh, 90.9 FM. Um, honestly, if you just go to every platform and put in Mr. Everyday, I'm going to pop up. I'm on, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Clubhouse. Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Oh, uh, yes. I'm on Clubhouse as well. No, yes, you got to get that Clubhouse today. <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate that. Yeah. Mr. Everyday on everything. You can Google, you know, Google Mr. Everyday. I'm on, I'm on Clubhouse. I'm on Instagram. I'm on, I'm on Twitter. You know, I'm on Facebook. You definitely can find me. Um, you know, I'm, 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 one of the I'm one of the moderators. Um, in the industry connect room is one of the one of the top rooms in the in clubhouse it's called the industry connect yeah and, um, so i moderate in that room as well and um so yeah i'm, I'm out here definitely yeah. get at me oh my my website i definitely want to mention that um it's under construction but i mean it's definitely open and up for business but we're going to be um re, we're hitting a refresh on that but it's pastlife.us just like my company p-a-p-a-s-t-l-i-f-e dot u because all we got is us pastlife.us I love it. I yes. love it. I love it. Listen, before we get out of here, you got a joint that you sent us, right? Oh, yeah. I sent you a couple of joints. I sent you on Thanksgiving and I Matter. Um, right, yeah. right, right. So, yeah, listen. All right, so why don't you go ahead and introduce this joint and we're going to get up out of here. We want to thank you so much for coming on From the Ground Up Productions. This is your second home. Anything that you got going on that we could support you with, please let us know and keep us connected, you know, stay connected with us so we can continue to support you and everything that you got going on. But before we go, introduce your song before we get up out of here. First of all, I want to shout out Lady Miz and Ray for showing me so much love. Yo. Thank you. Ground up program and I, I love what y'all doing here. This is Mr. Everyday, man. This is my, my song, Thanksgiving. Mr. Everyday in the past life. This is Thanksgiving. It's my time. That's right, y'all already know what it is. Make sure you guys go check that out. Is it on all major platforms? Yeah, plug me in volume one, the name of the album. It's everything on the past life. And the song's called Thanksgiving. Check out the video on YouTube, Vimo. Uh, yeah, we out here. All right, y'all. Go check that out, all major platforms. Go download that and support this brother. This is your girl, Lady Miz, my co-host. Ray, y'all. And we are out of here. Peace. Peace. From the ground up. From the ground up. There's only one way to go from here.